What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Bleeding BNG podcast, episode 79. So I guess we can call this our what? Our Ty and Seki episode. We're pulling names off the woodworks at this point. But to give you a timestamp, as I do for every episode, today is Monday, March 13th, 2023. And today was the technical I guess I guess we can call it the technical start of the new league year. Um, free agency is slated to start on you know Wednesday, but the legal legal tampering period started today. So a lot of these hypothetical deals and things um, of that nature are starting to be agreed to, but they can't be signed off and they can't be finalized until Wednesday. So today is the official or the unofficial start of free agency, and boy, does the commanders. Have some news coming your way. Do the commanders have some news coming your way? But before we get into it, as we do for all episodes, or, um, for my people that's turn, tuning into this episode, excuse me, be sure to like, be sure to comment, be sure to subscribe. I really, I really was uh, pleased to see the interaction that you guys gave me on my last YouTube episode, um, especially for somebody that missed um, a while. I was out for a while. So especially for somebody that missed the wild love that you guys showed me um, on my last video, um, I appreciate it. And I've told you guys, I'm never going to leave you for that long again. So we're back with the ba- with the weekly drops, with the daily drops and things like that. So let's get into the nitty gritty of this episode. So it was day one of free agency. So all we're going to do is recap day one of free agency and look at the outlook, um, of the outlook for the rest of, you know, the offseason for the Washington Commanders. And I'm going to get you guys up out of here. Um, so yesterday, um, as I said, today is Monday, March 13th. But Washington Commanders actually got the news um, started yesterday when they signed their defensive tackle, Deron Payne, to a long-term four-year $90 million deal, making him the second-highest-paid defensive tackle behind Aaron Donald right now. Boy, that boy Deron Payne got the bag. And even though he blocked me, even though he blocked me on Twitter, it is okay. Because I am so glad that my man got paid. And let me tell you the reasons why. Because I am a big advocate for you pay your elite guys. You pay your elite guys. This past season, Deron Payne was one of the top three players on his team. No matter how you want to slice it. Between Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, and Terry McLaurin, those were your top three performers on this team. And now each of these guys have long-term deals. Now, I know a lot of people say, oh, oh Jalen, well, he was playing on a contract year. Who knows if he's guaranteed to do that again and things like that. Well, guess what? I'm willing to take my chances on a guy like Deron Payne because he told you all year that the coaches were telling him how to, um, that he needed to focus on finishing. He said that. Listen to Deron Payne press conference throughout the year. He said, hey, the coaches told me that I really needed to focus on finishing. And you can tell that he took that advice and he took it a head full of steam. And that's all he did this year, resulting in 11 and a half uh, sacks. And one of the reasons why I'm not too concerned about him balling out on his previous contract year and things like that is because a lot of the numbers about the pressure rate and things like that were, were similar to what they were years in the past. He just learned how to finish. That's how you go from four and a half sacks, five sacks, which he was a career five sack, four and a half sack guy over the course of his career before this explosion last season. But guess what? When you learn how to finish, those five sacks turn into 11 and a half sacks. And this is a guy that's only 25 years old, so we know that his best ball is ahead of him. And this is one of your guys that you drafted and groomed. This isn't an Albert Hainsworth situation where you pulled this guy out from another team where you didn't have a good beat on him and things like that. Because I know a lot of us are scorned about giving defensive tackles long-term big money deals. 
And I understand why. Trust me, I do. But Deron Payne is not that type of guy. Deron Payne is going to come and give you the same amount of effort and the same amount of productivity that Jonathan Allen um, gave you in his first year signing his long-term extension. And one of the reasons why I'm glad that this signing happened in this signing, you know, we didn't actually have, you know, Deron tagged in trade or had forced to be played on a franchise tag where his future would be in limbo and constant year in and year out and things like that is because Deron Payne makes Jonathan Allen better. <coughs> Quite frankly, Deron Payne makes a lot of this entire defense better. Now, I think that Jonathan Allen might be the better player, but Deron Payne is the one taking on those double teams. Creating those one-on-one mismatches for Jonathan Allen. And then this past year, he not only took on those double teams, but he finished with him, finished through him as well, resulting in those 11 and a half sacks. So I'm so glad that Deron got his money, man. I'm so glad for my man. But guess what? I couldn't help to think. One of the biggest, one, maybe the first thought that crossed my mind as soon as I saw the Deron Payne extension wasn't about Deron Payne. It was not about Deron Payne. And let me know what you guys think about this. My first initial thought as soon as I heard about the Deron Payne extension is that, whoa, whoa, this leaves Chase Young and Montez Sweat to fight over one extension. And I don't know if that's the case or not, but that's what it looks like. That's what the optics look like at this point. You got Montez Sweat going into the fourth year of his rookie deal. No, excuse me. You got Montez Sweat going into his fifth year option. Excuse me. And then you got Chase Young going into the fourth year of his rookie deal. Coming off a season where he didn't really show much based off of injury. Playing only in the last three games of the season. And quite honestly, I know a lot of you guys hate me for calling this man Cook. But you know, over here at Bleeding B&G, we call it eye for eye and spade for spade. So we don't hold any cut cards. So I won't call him Cook today. But I think we all can admit that Chase Young hasn't played or hasn't lived up to the expectations of the second overall pick. Because if you said this at the end of the 2020 season, who are you willing to give that long-term extension to? The answer would be easy. The answer would easily be Chase Young. He's easily going to be a linchpin um, future cornerstone piece for this defense. But the tide is turned, and Montez Sweat, as, as quiet as it's kept, had a very productive season last year. Now, I know we're still waiting for Montez Sweat to crack that double-digit sack number barrier, but guess what? He's one of the best defensive ends against the run, and that's something that, that's, that's immeasurable. Immeasurable. If I can count the amount of times, the, the amount of times that Montez Sweat has blown up a run play on his side or the backside for a negative game, I will run out of fingers. So at this point, I'm pretty sure that you guys can tell that I'm leaning towards a Montez Sweat getting his extension over Chase Young because he simply has shown me more. Now that can change. If Chase Young can live up to this all-world potential, this generational talent tag that he had coming out in the draft in 2020, that very well may change. And if he does show that, Chase Young might be in for the biggest contract on this defense, on this entire team. But I'm kind of skeptical if it will. Because as I told you last, last as I told you throughout last season, <clears throat> 
Chase Young's injury is more significant than the uh, ACL. Just the ACL only. He tore his patella tenor, he tore his patella tenor tendon as well. These are types of injuries guys don't typically bounce back from. And I hate to say it. So when I'm calling them cook guys, it's not the troll. It's just being a realist. And I hope that Chase Young is the is the 5% to overcome these type of devastating injuries. I hope he is. I hope he is. I'm just going to go ahead and side with numbers and logic at this point. But this isn't about Chase Young or Montez Sweat. This is about what the Washington Commanders did over the first day or day one of the unofficial legal tampering period or, you know, the unofficial start to free agency. So let's go to what they did today. Let's go to what they did today. So, you know, they were riding off their high, signing their guy, Deron Payne, bringing in one of their, you know, elite players and things like that. Then they followed that up by signing tackle Andrew Wiley from the Kansas City Chiefs to a three-year, $24 million deal. This is a guy that brings positional versatility. This is a guy coming from that Kansas City pedigree, that championship Kansas City Chief pedigree. This is a guy that's able gonna that is gonna be able to spread the word of Eric B. Enemy because he's been in that system for so long. And this is a guy who's starting to play his better football. As you know, the years, as you know, the contract year was up. So I'm very, I'm much more concerned about, you know, Andrew Wiley's performance on his contract year than a guy like Deron Payne. Because if we be honest, if we're being honest, you know, Andrew Wiley, you know, he's one of the league leaders in sacks giving up at nine. Some of that has to do with, you know, Patrick Mahomes holding the ball, being a musician that he is, trying to get every inch and every juice, every squeeze out of a play. But some of that, you know, Andrew Wiley was just getting flat out beaten. But this is a guy that played his best ball in the championship run leading up to their Super Bowl victory against the Philadelphia Eagles. And while I might be skeptical about him having his best performance in a, in a contract year, it's one thing that we have to remember. Our, our offensive coordinator, our assistant head coach, Eric Bieniemy, has been has 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 seen this guy Wiley since he been he has been drafted into the NFL. So I'm pretty sure he knows more about Andrew Wiley than any of us do. So if he feels comfortable in re-signing a guy like Andrew Wiley to join him with the Commanders, why shouldn't I? Why shouldn't I? Andrew Wiley has been on my radar for a minute because while I do, while I still don't think that we're really going to go big dollar shopping or big money spending over throughout the free agency signing, I mean throughout the free agency period, Andrew Wiley was a guy that I think can fill a serviceable need at the right tackle position, you know, with a, with a moderate contract. You know, three years, $24 million, that's $8 million a year. I don't know if they listed the guarantees over his contract, but I didn't get him down. But as I mentioned, this is a guy that brings a position, position flex and a position versatility that, you know, Coach Rivera praises, Coach Rivera is yearning for. This is a guy that started his career at guard, and he started to make the transition to tackle over the course of the last two seasons. So this is another reason why I think that his play can pick up. He's starting to get more uh, comfortable in that right tackle role. And one of my favorite characteristics about Andrew Wiley, like I said, this is a guy that's been on my radar since, you know, last month when I really started to look over, you know, the free agent landscape and things like that, is this dude is nasty. This dude is nasty. There's, there's a cut up on Twitter 
um, if you guys can go check it out. But just some of his, you know, finishing blocks that he had throughout the playoff run. This dude is a finisher. This guy brings that guard mentality to the tackle position. Now he's not the most elite athlete, and he can't get beaten around the edge at some points, but he wins when he wins just off sheer nastiness and toughness. And that's something I would, I, I would love to have out of my line. And that's something I didn't see out of Andrew Norwell or Trey Turner last year. Or Charles Leno. Guard tackle included. I didn't see that nastiness. Every time Brian Robinson had a menacing run, that's because he was hit, getting hit two yards past the line of scrimmage and dragging dudes seven. It wasn't because we were opening up these John Norman's holes for him. And I know a lot of people are talking about how Andrew Wiley played his best game in the Super Bowl and things like that. And while that very well may be true, and I'm here to tell you that might be true. He bought out in the Super Bowl. But let's be cautious. A lot of that was because, you know, they were playing on that slip and slide field over there in State Farm, um, in State Farm you know, Stadium over there in Phoenix, Arizona, where it's been well documented how horrible that field was, almost like painted grass. So, yeah, he handled his own against Hassan Reddick, but Hassan Reddick was, was a little compromised by that turf. So I'll be skeptical, and I don't want you guys thinking that we're bringing in this all-pro right tackle like he did look in the Super Bowl. Trust me, he did. He did. Hassan Reddick did not sniff Patrick Mahomes, not one rep. But I don't want you to think that we're bringing in that guy on a, much, on a consistent down-in and down-out basis. Now, does he have flashes of greatness? Absolutely. And hopefully he can put it all together on a more consistent basis with the commanders under, you know, the tutelage of Eric Bieniemy, somebody who, who, who he should be very familiar with. The commanders also kept, kept, they kept, they kept going. They kept beefing up their offensive line by signing guard Nick Gates from the New York Giants on a three-year $18 million deal with $8 million guaranteed. Only $8 million guaranteed. Now, let me say this. I was at the game when um, Nick Gates got hurt against the Washington Commanders Thursday Night Football in the 2021 season. Um, and, you know, I was I – was, I wasn't very far away from where his injury happened. Guys, I saw Nick Gates' leg, like, dangling on the field that night, right? And I say that to say the fact that Nick Gates is playing football is simply remarkable. Let alone able to sign a three-year, $18 million deal less than two years later. And then joining the team and going to be playing in the same stadium where you had that devastating career-altering injury? Oh, this dude is mentally tough. This dude is mentally solid. Because I don't know if I could do it. And not only is he mentally tough, he is nasty in the trenches. I'm starting to see a theme. I'm starting to see a theme with these two offensive linemen that we picked up today. These dudes are nasty in the trenches. Another trend that I've noticed is that these two dudes offer position versatility along the offensive line. As I mentioned, Andrew Wiley has, you know, the experience playing guard and tackle. Well, Nick Gates has the experience playing guard and center. And as I mentioned on my Twitter page, I'm not saying that he he's won the matchup. I'm not saying that he dominated or things like that. But I really do think Nick Gates in the few matchups that they've had, while when healthy, even coming back this year, I think that Nick Gates has held his own against the likes of Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen. Like I said, I'm not here to say that he won the matchup. 
But we know how good that, that defensive tackle pairing is, and he was more he was more than holding his own. Coming off of a devastating knee injury where I think he dislocated his tibia, fibula, like it was bad. His ankle, like it was it was horrible. So just the simple fact that he's able to play football again is remarkable. And as I mentioned before, he brings that toughness, that physical, nasty play that I simply didn't see out of Andrew Norwell or Trey Turner last year. This is a guy that offers center insurance, whether you don't decide to bring Tyler Larson back or whether you cut ties with Chase Rouliet. This is a guy that has the potential to be a good depth signing or, you know, a marginal starter signing. But guess what? At this point, it's better than anything that we had last year. I would have paid for marginal along my interior offensive line last year. I would have paid for marginal along the interior offensive line last year. So the commanders beefed up their offensive line. Those were their first two moves. And then the third move was they actually sat a linebacker, Cody Barton, from the Seattle Seahawks. On a one-year fully guaranteed deal, I'm not sure the contract numbers, the totals came out on that number, um, on that contract just yet, but I know that it was fully guaranteed. I got that from Nikki Javala from the Washington Post. But this is a guy that's coming off of somewhat of a breakout year. He had 136 tackles, two sacks, and two interceptions. And his first season started more than uh, four games, excuse me. He started 11 of the 16 games that he played in this past season. And no, he wasn't the star in the Seattle linebacker room. That would go to Jordan Brooks. This is a guy that gave you more than serviceable linebacker play. Let me read those numbers again. 136 tackles, two sacks, and two interceptions. If he would have played on the Commanders last year, he would have been the best linebacker on the Commanders roster last year. And I'm still high on Jamin Davis, but it's just the truth. Now, this isn't a guy that, you know, is an all-pro caliber linebacker. Might not even be a Pro Bowl caliber linebacker. There's a reason why he was out on the open market and only signed a one-year deal. But this is a guy that has good range. He's really good in coverage. I think he's better against the pass than he is the run, and you don't hear that a lot with linebackers. But it's something that you need in the modern NFL. And he's good in space. This is a guy that has great speed. I saw a track. Uh, I saw a stat on Twitter from Next Gen Stats. I think that he was second in the league in hustle stops last year, and that's just sheer effort. So I think that this, with this move, you can get away from a guy like Cole Holcomb, or you can deal with a guy like Cole Holcomb re- uh, signing with another team, not potentially signing back with the Commanders. I think that's on the horizon after a move like this, because guess what? This guy's giving you. If not equal amount, uh, equal of production, just a tick below at a fraction of the price. Just a tick below at a fraction of the price. He's also contributing on special teams. That's what he played at the early part of his career before his breakout season. So if it doesn't work out at the linebacker position, it's not like you're. I mean, at the yeah, at the linebacker position, it's not like you're investing a whole bunch of money into him. He has the potential of being a special teams ace. But as I mentioned before, with 136 tackles, two sacks, and two interceptions, this is the guy that's giving you at least equal the amount of Hulkin production at a fraction of the price. Why wouldn't I sign up for that? 
Peace, Cole Hawker. Don't let the doorknob split you with a good look. Don't let the doorknob hit you with a good little split you, Cole Hawker. Because there was a report out today that, you know, there was a difference between, you know, the Washington Commanders and Cole Hogan's team, you know, on the money aspect of the contract. And if Cole Hogan was out here holding us hostage, bye. 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 I'm tired of my organizations being held hostage by mid-mediocre players. I have enough of that with the Wizards and Bradley Bill. This is a good signing, but guess what? Even with the signing of Cody Barton, I mentioned it on my Twitter earlier today when the signing happened, this roster is still lacking. It's still lacking a downhill linebacker that attacks the opposite side of the line of scrimmage. And that's something that I I feel like this roster still needs. I know this roster still needs it. Guys, if you get that downhill attacking linebacker, those two and three yard runs that the defense gives up that we think are positive plays, and they are positive plays, can turn into negatives, can turn into lost plays, can turn into loss of yards plays, can turn into second and 13, third and 11. If you get that downhill attacking linebacker to meet these running backs in these holes. Cody Barton's play style is typical of Cole Hogan and typical of Jamin Davis. These are fast, speedy guys that run and catch. They're not attacking downhill. They're running and catching guys, and guys are typically falling forward when they make contact. While I am a fan of this move, I still think that we need that downhill thumper type of linebacker. Does a guy like Jack Campbell interest you in the third, second round of the draft? I know it interests me. So to cap off the moves that the commanders made on day one of, you know, the free agency period or the unofficial free agency start, um, they brought in um, cornerback Cameron Dassler from the Minnesota Vikings, who was released. So they claimed him off waivers. This is guys a 6'2", about 195 pound corner who played decently, who played decently in his first couple of years in the league before getting benched by, you know, Kevin O'Connell's staff this past season. Um, and the reason and the reason that he got benched and his pay dropped off this year is because they had him playing more man. This is a guy that's not a man corner by any means. This is a cover three press corner in the likes of Benjamin St. Juice. And this is a guy who served decently in a zone heavy scheme under Mike Zimmer in his first couple of years. Then they asked him to play a little bit more man this year, and he doesn't have the speed to do that. Now, I will say this. I will say this. It looks like the commanders are trying to set a record. It looks like the commanders are trying to set an NFL record for the slowest starting cornerback tandem or trio in NFL history. If you look at the the commander's cornerback room right now, I don't think there's a guy that runs faster than 4-5-5 right now, and that might be Benjamin St. Juice. He might be the fastest dude in the room at 4-5-5. And that concerns me when you're getting when you're checking some of these speedy downfield receivers that run 4-2. And you aren't able to dish out a guy that runs faster than a 4-5-5. So hopefully we bring in a speedier type of cornerback throughout in the draft, in the first round of the draft, like a Christian Gonzalez that runs a 4-3-8. Heck, even if you brought in a guy like Joey Porter Jr., who had questions with his speed at a 4-4-6 that he ran at the combine. He would still be your fastest cornerback in your room right now. So that's where I'm looking for pick 16. 
um, some of the premier corners in the draft. Because as I mentioned, it looks like the Commanders are trying to set a record for the slowest starting quarterback tandem with trio in, in the league, and that's not that's not a that's not a record that you want to set <laughs> by any means. And last but not least, they signed Danny Johnson to a two-year, about seven million dollar deal. I'm happy for Danny, uh, but I still can't get it out the back of my mind that this coaching staff elected to start Ricard Wild Goose early in the season over Danny Johnson. Um, I'm glad they rewarded him um, because um, he had some pretty solid play towards the end of the year. And this is a guy that can be a solid fifth, fourth cornerback on your roster. Um, and that's about it on Danny Johnson. Not a major signing. Um, so that's it. That's wraps up, you know, Washington's um, day one of the unofficial free agency start. Um, they really beefed up the offensive line. And, you know, they addressed some needs on the defense as well. Um, not premier players by any means. I don't know if we're going to be getting premier players um, throughout the free agency period. But guess what? That's what the 16th pick in the draft is for. That's what you got to hit on your premier player. Hopefully it's a cornerback. Hopefully it's a cornerback. But that'll do it for this episode of the Bleeding BNG podcast. As always, if you're not following us on our social medias, be sure to check us out on our Instagram. Be sure to check us out on our Twitter. Our Instagram is at Bleeding BNG. That's B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G-B-N-G. Our Twitter handle is spelled a tad bit different. That one is B-L-E-E-D-I-N-B-N-G. So that one only has one G in our Twitter handle. If you're checking us out on the audio-only podcast format, such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify, excuse me, please be sure to leave a rating. Please be sure to leave a review. As I always say, we're trying to finesse these algorithms so that when you're looking up anything Washington Commanders, Bleeding BNG is the number one thing that pops up on that search bar. And the only way we can finesse these algorithms, guys, if you leave a rating if you leave a review as i mentioned earlier in the video if you're checking us out on youtube be sure to like be sure to comment be sure to subscribe because we're going to finesse those algorithms too because as i said before if you want the most raw uncut unfiltered and honest analysis and you know commentary on your washington commanders bleeding bng is the place to go i'm here i'm never going away again i'm giving you the content that you need i'm giving you the content that you love hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode and i'll catch you guys on the flip side peace